Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. It's uh, so great to be back. It feels like family. It feels like home. So many people that we know over the years just say hello. So it's, back. it's great to, re- re- to reunite this morning. And um, it's great to be invited by Pastor Luke and Melissa to speak today. And at the same time to be with Paul and Marie. And I don't know if you have heard his sermons the last two weeks about engagement in heaven. But I think they are amazing. They are pure gold coming out of the fire of 12 months. But it's worth to listen to. I think that's what we all need. And Pastor Paul always says, this is what I have at the moment. It's about the big picture. And I think when he was sharing the last two weeks, that was about the big picture. I think in the meantime, you have sorted out. My accent is Dutch. And uh, I, I can even speak some Denglish today. I think a few years ago I was here and I said, you know, my sink is constipated. And uh, so feel free to make some fun out of me as long as you catch the word this morning. Hey, I want to talk to you this morning about faith or fact. Faithful facts. You know, there's a great Bible verse in the Bible where Jesus says, everything is possible to him or her that believes. And that's a very powerful verse and a very amazing verse. And at the same time, this Bible verse can set us on the wrong foot. Because when we have challenges, we tend to be, what do we need to do? How do I get the faith? How do I get enough faith? to overcome my challenges. And at the moment we are thinking that, actually we are not believing, we are working. And working does never deliver any results. So my first point is this, I don't believe we need more faith. You don't need more faith. Because our faith is not about getting things or overcoming challenges. Our faith is in God our Father. Not God, but in God, our Father. Our faith is in Jesus, our Lord. Many people say, He's my Savior, but Jesus, our Lord. And the Holy Spirit, our helper, that's always be around us to help us to get through life. So we And when we talk about faith, we have a faith in God that we can always trust with our lives, whatever the circumstances are. We can be like the four men that were thrown in the fire. I say, whatever happens, we will not change because we believe in God. Whether he's saving us or he's not saving us, he's our God. Whether he's healing us or not healing us, he's our God. Whether he's providing or not providing, he's our God. And for us, you know, it's not just our God because we have the revelation from Jesus himself that God is not just God, he is a father. And he's a good father. So we need to learn to trust in God our Father, in Jesus our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit our Helper. And if you do that, then with God, everything is possible. See, it's not depending on our faith, 
It's depending on our God, everything is possible. It's not our faith, it's His faith in us, His faith working in us that is making everything possible. You know, whether we live or whether we die, the Bible says we are the Lord's. We are always the Lord's. And that's where we can trust in and where we can live in. Now, for the last four years, I have been struggling with vertigo. And vertigo is something different from being dizzy. When you have vertigo, the world is literally spinning around you. And so even when you close your eyes, you still feel the world is spinning. It feels like you're on a wheel that's turning around. And when I have one of those episodes, it can go on for four hours, 12 hours, sometimes even more than a day. I cannot walk. I have to lay down. I cannot go to the toilet. I have to close my eyes. And then I have to vomit. But it keeps turning, so I keep vomiting even though I'm empty. So that's a hard thing. It cripples you. You can't do anything. And then I had times I was free from it, and I said, oh, Lord, thank you, I'm healed. And I think I preached the last time I was here, I talked about it and said, hey, I'm healed from that. And then it came back in 2020. And then for three months, three to four times a week, or I was spinning, or I was recovering from spinning, whatever it was, but for three months, three, four times a week, I was running on the wheel. And then, luckily, there's a unique surgery around the world. And I saw it as a gift from God. So I got a surgery in Belgium and guarantees like 80-70, will be rid of the spinning. And I was one year and nine months. And just five weeks ago, all in a sudden, just before a, before a very busy weekend in our church, as a one-off, everything started spinning again. And what it does, it just throws you off your feet, literally, but also on every foundation you, you believed and you had your security on, you know, it's, everything is shaking again. Because when it started four years ago, I said, Lord, it's not you. I know that. So, but you allowed it. So the question is not how I'm going to overcome it, but you, the question is, Lord, what do you want me to learn in this process? And I have to say, I learned a lot. Not always things you want to learn, but I know now what it is to have a dis-ease, to be not at ease. Because even or you're spinning or you're recovering from spinning. I know now what it is to be dependent on others, to be utterly and completely helpless, to be really disabled. You know, I, I know now like what it is during those seasons to grow deeper in faith and in who God is. But I also found out as soon as I'm recovered, how easily, again, I'm distracted with the things of life. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what happens, you know. So it, it's, it, it, it's, a real, it's, a real cha- it's a real challenge. But, you know, when you have challenges in life, and maybe you're here this morning and it's not your health, but maybe it's mental health or maybe it's financial or it's relational or whatever it is. At the moment you have challenges, you are bombarded with feelings. Not just a feeling, you are bombarded with feelings. You are bombarded with thoughts. How is it going to end? Will it ever end? 
What if it not ends? How am I going to live? How am I going to do this? Do I have enough faith? How can I get a bigger faith? How can I get a stronger faith? Should I, should I pray more? Should I fast? Why I don't have results? Should I touch, try to touch Jesus? Like the women with the issue of blood, try to touch Jesus. Is that what I need to do? I came to the conclusion, to the fact that I don't need to touch Jesus because he has already touched me when I was saved. What is more, he did not only touch me, I became one spirit with him. So he is already as close as he can be all the time, 24 hours a day. Like the Apostle Paul said, it's not I that live, but it is Jesus Christ that's living in me. So he's in me. And Paul says also, we live in him and we move in him. So he's in me, I'm in him. And then when he's on earth, you know, he is praying. And when God is praying, he gets the things he's praying for. He's praying, Father, I pray for those who believe that they will be one like we are one. So now God, when I was saved, he didn't only touch me. He made, him, he made me one with himself. And he, not I became one with him, but he, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit included me and you who believe into his oneness. So now we are one spirit of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's a fact. That's a fact that's powerful. So now, if you know that, it's but with God with that God, with our Father, with the Holy Spirit, and with the Son that we are one with, all things are possible. It's not depending on you. It's not depending on your faith. It's not depending on your works. It's just where you are and to, who, to whom you belong. So now, what do we need? The only thing we need, we need to fellowship with our Father. Of course, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, pray to the Father. You know, it's a fact that I'm married. I'm married for 33 years with Ilona. And that's a, a whole journey in itself. And we are very happily married. But you know, if I would say this morning to you, I believe that I'm married for 33 years with Ilona. You think, are you not sure about it? And Ilona would say, you believe you're married to me? You know, I have an angry wife. You are married with me. It's a fact. I am married with her for 33 years. I can pray. I will not be more married. I can fast. I will not be more married. We can have an argument. We will not be less married. We can have a fight. I will not be less married. I am married. That's a fact. So now my words and my acts on the facts will have an effect. So what do I need to do to have a strong marriage? Uh, first of all, I have to say, I am married. And not say, I believe I'm married to you. Have you ever heard Jesus say, I believe I am the good shepherd. Yeah, come on. I believe I'm the truth, the way, and the life. Yeah, I believe I'm the bread. No, he said, I am the good shepherd. I am the life. I am. So I am married. But now the acts, Jesus' fellowship with the Father. 
early in the morning or late at the evening, whatever works for you, but he fellowship with the Father. Yeah. But if I fellowship with Ilona, my wife, we talk heart to heart. We share our hearts. And then, because we share our hearts, we have trust in each other. So if we share our hearts right. and our feelings with the Father, we start to trust Him. Yeah. And having fellowship with the Father is not difficult. Because it's not only praying, but if you are in the Word, the Word is God. So if you spend time in the Word, we are fellowshipping with God the Father, with God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Even reading the Word is like prayer. And it is so powerful. If you just read one Bible verse every day and you memorize it, then in a year time, the Holy Spirit has 365 Bible verses to personally speak to you. And that's powerful. So I was on a plane to Jakarta when all the spinning happened. And, you know, I thought, what can I do? I'm going to preach in Jakarta five times. The world is a little bit unstable for me. So I went to the Word. And I like it to, to read different translations. So I read at that moment in the Passion Translation. And, you know, when you are a father, you know, if you, even if you are a mother, the same. But if a kid comes to you, before it shares anything... You know already what it needs. You see the circumstances. You see where they are in. And it's the same with our father. So when we come to our father, he, know, he knows already what you need. You don't need to share all the details. He knows. You just need to fellowship. So when I started fellowshipping, I, he, said to me like, I, 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 he said to me like this, I will personally. You see, God is a personal God. You are not just a number, an unknown face. He said, I will personally. I will powerfully. So he has all the power to do so. I will personally, I will powerfully restore you. And you will be stronger than ever before. Of course, I said stronger, that's great. So I will, will be fully healed. Now I found out that the Bible said that Paul says, I'm, I'm strong, but I'm weak. Yeah? So sometimes we are weak, but that makes us strong. So, you know, if we, have, we know we have a father that knows already what we need, that's what Jesus says. If you pray, you pray to the father. And, and if you then pray, pray short. Because before you pray, he knows already what you need. So we need to learn that we don't need to strive to get things. We just need to learn to fellowship and to trust our hands in the hands of God. And even when we don't get what we think what we need, because we think what we need, even if we don't get what we think what we need, we still can trust that His grace will be enough to walk the path that's before us, even if it is a difficult path. So, what I believe is this. We need, my third point, we need faith to be saved. And the question, of course, is if we talk faith to be saved, then we saved from what? Where do you need to be saved from? But I would, leave, I would prefer to say saved from whom? Because all the circumstances we have to deal with are caused by a person. And Jesus says, the Christ that's in me is greater than the one who's in the world. 
So who's in the world? Who's in the world? It's the prince of darkness. It's the, the liar. It's the deceiver. It's the power of sin and death. So if you say, I want to be saved, it's a question, where do you want to be saved off? Many people say, oh, I want to have, I want to be forgiven. But if you are not saved, you are under the power of a person that's a thief, a murderer, a deceiver, a liar, a power of sin and death. So you want to be saved from someone to someone. You want to be taken from one kingdom into another kingdom. And the Bible says in Romans 10 verse 9 that if we confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, listen, it's not the Savior Jesus. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus can only be your savior because he is Lord. The fact that he is Lord means he's raised from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He is seated on the throne above all powers and all principalities. So if you want to be saved, you better believe he is Lord. Because he is Lord seated above all powers and principalities, that gives him the power to save you from that evil person that the devil is. That's why he's saving you from the murderer and the deceiver and the liar and the prince of darkness and the power of sin and death. And that's why he's transplanting you from that bad kingdom into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. So Jesus is our Lord. And the good news is this, Jesus is seated in heaven. So he's not running around stressed about all the things that go wrong in the world or in your life. He's seated. He's at rest, whatever you're going through. And the fact is not only that he is seated, the fact is that you are seated as well. So if you are running around stressed about your challenges, you need to check your facts. Because you are seated, not running around stressed. And you are seated above every power, every principality. You are seated above him who is causing your challenges. And where you are seated, the Father is in your right hand and Christ made you one with himself, made you one with the Holy Spirit and one with the Father. So you can trust yourself, whatever happens to your life, in the hands of him. That's the only faith we need. You know, the centurion that was coming to Jesus Jesus said, you have a great faith. The faith of the centurion was not about what Jesus could do for him. It was about who Jesus was. 
He said, I did not find that great faith in Israel because he believed. He said, I'm a commander and you are a commander. He believed Jesus was the Lord. Believing that Jesus the Lord is so powerful. And I don't know about you this morning, even when you are at home or at other locations. If I talk about the deceiver and I talk about the thief and the power of sin and death and the liar, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to be part of his. I don't want to be attached to that person. You know, I want to be saved by that Lord that's on the throne. I want to be transplanted into that other kingdom. You know, and I guess you have already a desire in your heart to have the same. And that desire in your heart is a desire that God is working himself in your heart right now. So don't postpone the decision to make Jesus your Lord. Just make a decision right now, at home, in home, at your couch, or in location, or when you're seated here, to make Jesus the Lord of your life, because that's what you need. He's the one who's able to keep you safe. But now we are saved, and we have all made this decision. All the facts are changed. I'm no longer attached to Satan. Now I have a new Lord, his name is Jesus. I'm no longer a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. I'm now a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I am no longer a sinner. I'm a righteous person. I'm also, because I'm in a different kingdom, I'm under a different law. The Bible says you are under the law of sin and death in the kingdom of darkness. This law of sin and death is always putting you down. But now you are transplanted to the other kingdom. You are under the law of life. And the law of life is always lifting you up. So everything is changed. So that's my fourth point. I think we need to know the facts to be free. And the fact is that when I'm saved... I am a new creation. I am a new creation. So imagine that, you know, you see me and you think, oh, he's really Dutch. And we, we would say cheese hats. And he has a Dutch accent. But imagine I decide to immigrate to Indonesia. And I throw away my Dutch passport and I take an Indonesian passport. Then I'm no longer a Dutchman. I'm an Indonesian. But you look at me, you think, he's Dutch. He talks Dutch. And you might be right. But the fact is, I'm Indonesian. I still might feel Dutch. I still might think Dutch. But the fact is, I'm an Indonesian. So now the question is, what do you do with facts? I don't need to have more faith that I'm Indonesian. I don't need to fast. I don't need to pray. It's a fact. On a fact, I need to act. So now I have the Indonesian passport. I can go to an Indonesian bank and say, hey, I want to open a bank account. Because when I have a bank account, I can work. And if I have a bank account, I can buy a house. So facts lead to acts. It changes things. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So now we need to know the facts, what it is to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And we know. Let's read in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Listen, we had the spirit of the world. But now we are born again 
Now we have a different spirit. That's a fact. We have the spirit who is, who is. The spirit is not just the power that does things for you. It's the person. Now we have the spirit who is from God. And why do we have the spirit? Why do you have the Holy Spirit? So that you might know. So that you know the things, the facts. Not that will be given to you. That have been already in your possession. Freely given by God. So the facts are the truth. If there are a lot of things going on, you say, I want to know the truth. Give me the facts. The Bible says, if you have the truth, the truth will set you free. So it is the facts that set you free. We have to do with a liar and a deceiver that's always lying. So the way to oppose the liar and a deceiver is knowing the facts. It's not about what you feel, because you feel, I can feel Dutch, but I'm Indonesian. It's not about your feel, it's what are the facts. And the Bible says, you know the facts by the Holy Spirit. And the facts will set you free if you know them and if you use them. So, if you know the facts, then your prayer life will completely change. Maybe you're watching from home and you're in a difficult situation and you're like begging to God. But if you know what God has given you, you don't need to beg. You can just be grateful and thankful for all the things He has given you. Because you base your prayers and your gratitude and, and, your, and your thankfulness, you based on the facts of God. And then the circumstances that normally overwhelm you will not overwhelm you because when you pray, you talk about the facts who God is. You will always find out that God is much bigger than the circumstances you go through. You know, and, and you start to realize that the God you are praying with is not just a God for today, but He's your God for all eternity. So prayer is changing. It's more like gratitude. It's more like fellowship. And at the same time, when you present all the facts that are in the Bible with gratitude, you are opposing the lies from the devil. And the Bible says, if you resist him, he will flee from you. Because your circumstances, many of your circumstances, are not just circumstances. They are caused by a person behind it. The power of darkness, the thief, the deceiver, the murderer. So the only way to oppose him is to present the facts. And then he finds out, oh, this person will not trap into my life. He knows the facts. He knows the truth. And he will flee and find somebody else he can deceive. But he will leave you alone. So my prayers are like this. Oh, thank you, God. You are my Father. Thank you, God. Jesus, you are my Lord. Thank you, God. You are my helper. Thank you, God. I'm never alone. Thank you, Lord. You made me one with you. Thank you, Lord. I'm holy. Thank you, Lord. I'm righteous. Thank you, Lord. I'm not a sinner. Thank you, Lord. I'm blessed. Thank you, Lord. I'm healed. Thank you, Lord. I have all the victory I need. Thank you, Lord. 
I'm in you. Thank you, Lord. You are bigger than anything in this world. Thank you, Lord. You are all I need. It makes life so simple. It makes prayer so simple. It's the easy way to go. Fellowshipping with God is resisting the devil. And he will flee. One and a half year ago, a guy in our church came to us. His name is really Dutch, Egbert. If you can do the G, Egbert. Maybe you can try Egbert. Egbert. And Egbert had bad news. Egbert said, Peter, I have been in the hospital because I didn't feel well. And the doctor said to me, sorry, Egbert, I can't do anything for you. You have severe leukemia. Go home. And that's all I can do for you. But Egbert is a man that knows the facts. So he said to me, Peter, when I walked out of the hospital, I felt God speaking to me. Because he was a man of the word too. I felt God speaking to me. You know, it's easy for God to speak to you when you are in the word. You know, when you start to read the word, when you have challenges, you're quite late. You know, the word needs to be in you before the challenges come. And anyway, he, God spoke to him in, from Proverbs 4, verse 10. And it says this, listen, my son. And I just want you to know how relational that is. It's not listen to God, but listen, my son. It's, again, there is a father speaking. Listen, my son. And then accept what I say. Not just believe it, but just accept it as a fact. Accept what I say. And the years of your life will be many. And then he said, you know, I said to myself immediately, okay, I am not going to accept what the doctor says. I'm going to accept what God says. My father and the years of my life will be many. You know, and I'm just like you, you know, sometimes I'm a little bit like, okay, it's a big thing, you know, you are serious, you you have a serious illness. And so after nine months, he came to me and said, Peter, he never came for prayer because he said, you know, I know, I know who I am. You know, I know what I believe, I stand. But after nine months, he came to me and said, Peter, he said, it's really going bad now. They are checking me all the time and my blood values are up there. I, everywhere, I can, I can see tumors now and I can feel them. And I have seven tumors in my brain and the doctor says it's just three months. So, I said, the, the least we can do every Sunday after service, just at least come to the service, you know. Many people that are sick, they say, they stay home. But come to the service. Come in the presence of your... And after service, we will just pray together. Just stand on the facts. And, you know, if you ask him, how did the change come? We don't know. So it's not about me or the prayer or whatever. It, but the change came. So 14 days after he came to me, that he said, it's only three months. He said, Peter, I've been back in the hospital. And my blood values are back to normal, like Pastor Paul said this morning. My blood values are back to normal. I said, that's a good sign. He said, actually said, that this actually say there is no can- active cancer cells in my blood. Said, so praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Then a few weeks later he came and he said, Peter, I said, just all the tumors I can see and can feel are all gone. So I said, what did the doctor say? He said, I don't know yet, 
but I go for a brain scan very soon. So let me, so let me know what the brain scan says. So a few weeks later, he came back. He said, Peter, I had the brain scan. He said, from the seven humors, there are only three left. There's no treatment, only three left. And they are one third of the size they were. Said, Praise God. And now just a few weeks ago, he said, Peter, I had another brain scan. And there's just one little tiny dot left in my brain and that's all. He said, the doctor said, that's not normal. <laughs> then his wife said, it's a miracle. And the doctor said, yes, it's a miracle. You know, I, I remember, I remember I had him on stage when his blood values were just back to normal and his tumors were reduced and we just interviewed him and his wife on stage. How do you deal with this kind of situation? You know? And just about, I said to church when he was off, I said, I, I, I know what many of you think now. You think we will see. But that's not faith. Faith is standing on the facts. This guy kept standing on the facts and we saw a change. And my fourth point is this. Is this. We are not any longer under the law of sin and death, but we are under the law of life. We are governed by the law of life. And let me read Romans 8 verse 1 to 2 to you. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Are you in Christ? Are you saved? Is this your Lord? Yes, you are in Christ. There will be no condemnation. Who, if you are in Christ, do not walk according to the flesh. See, if you are in Christ, you don't walk according to the things you see, feel, and hear. But you walk according to the Spirit. We know now we walk according to the facts that the Holy Spirit has revealed to us in the word. For why? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free, not will make you free, has made me free from the law of sin and death. I was under the law of sin and death, but when I was saved, not by a savior, but by the Lord himself, that has all the power, he transplanted me in another kingdom, in the kingdom of Jesus. And like in this world, you know, the, the law of the Netherlands is different from the law of New Zealand. Here I was under the law of sin and death that was pushing me down in sin, that was pushing me down to death. But now I'm transplanted and now I'm as a fact. Now I'm in the kingdom of God and I'm under the law of life and the law of life is lifting me up. That's what the word says. So how bad is the law of sin and death. Adam and Eve were walking in the garden. And if you read Genesis, you will see that there was already light before God created the moon and the stars. And everything is created in Christ, for Christ, and he's holding everything together. So the light that was in the world from the beginning that God brought in the darkness was Christ himself. And Adam walked in that light. And at the moment he sinned, the whole world fell back in darkness till Christ was coming, the light of the world. That's why the prophet says, a nation that is sitting in deep darkness will see a great light, which is Christ Jesus. But Adam was in the garden, walking in the light. 
And now, he sins. And I think it was not an apple tree. I believe it was a fig tree because I know that when he sinned, he covered himself with fig leaves. And fig leaves are leaves with five fingers. That's what they call it. So at the moment, Adam sinned. The, the thump, your power. He came under the power of sin and death. So everything in his life now could be touched by the power of sin and death. So he was on the power of sin of death. His pointing finger, from now on, he was heading towards death. Can you imagine everything was beautiful? The lion was playing with the lamp. And all in a sudden, Adam sins and the lion eats the lamb. And flowers wither and fruits fall from the trees. All in a sudden, there's everywhere it's decay. And bodies got sick. And mental diseases. And then Adam and Eve, ring finger, they are immediately in a divorce. Fighting each other and lying to each other and lying to God. And then the pinky for the balance, you know, they are under a curse and they have to work hard. The whole world was turned upside down. And then God comes to them, he doesn't leave them alone, that's the good news, and says, oh, you have all fig leaves on. That's not good enough. And then all those animals that Adam named and lived with and worked with, he could just walk between the lions you know, and the hippos, don't try that today, but he could. And all of a sudden God says, you know, those animals you live with, I'm going to kill. Because fig leaves is not enough. So everything Adam and Eve are left was turned upside down. And now God is even killing animals to dress them up. I think there was like snot and tears all over the place. So Paul describes in Romans 8, the whole creation, not only humans, the whole creation is crying out, like in labor pain, to bring forth a new heaven and a new earth. There are people in pain, there are more slaves in the world than ever before, 50 million slaves, human slaves, around the world at this moment, growing as 10 million in the last few years. We don't create a better world. This whole world is groaning, is groaning. But the groaning and the pain and the difficulties we go through are part of giving birth to the new heavens and to the new earth. But for us in the meantime, Christ came. And the fig leaf has five things that Adam lost. And the last Adam brought five things that help us to live in this world. Not longer the power of sin and death, but now Jesus' feet are pierced. So we cannot walk in sin, but we will walk in righteousness. Jesus' sight was tapped because you will not die but you will live forever. Now your pointing finger is not pointing to death, but it's pointing to eternal life.
Jesus' back was striped. So there is healing in his body. Jesus does not say when you do communion, believe this is this bread is my body. He says, This bread is my body. It's so powerful. Then his hands were pierced because our relationship with God and with each other could be whole and we could walk in love. But Jesus, this is what I say, yeah, only one command, walk in love. And then the pinky, he is crowned with thorns so you could live. So Jesus did not only save you from the kingdom of darkness, and put you in the kingdom of light. But he also reversed everything that Adam lost. As the last Adam, he brought everything back. Jesus has broken the power of sin and death. And he brought you and me under the power of the law of life. In Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you were encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at any of our Auckland campuses. If you're not in Auckland, then check us out, Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifenz.org or download the Life app to stay connected and find out more.